Bakerpedia. The simplest commercial baking resource. Brought to you by Bakerpedia and hosted by Lynn Carson with a PhD in grain sciences. Sharing knowledge and helping you grow connections. Listening to the Baked in Science podcast. Welcome to Baked in Science. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Carson, CEO of Bakerpedia, the world's largest online depository of technical baking information. Today, I'll be interviewing Debbie Rogers, a serial scientist, and Rob Wong, an entrepreneur with a sprouting food safety solution. By the end of this episode, you'll understand how to eliminate that stinky feet bread problem. Yes, that's right. Now, as you know, Bakerpedia can't happen without sponsors. So before we start, I would like to do a shout out to Bay State Milling, one of our sponsors today. Bay State Milling produces Benegrain. Benegrain sprouted wheat from Bay State Milling captures nutrients at their peak concentration and bioavailability. By precisely controlling the germination process and using selected wheat varieties specially suited for sprouting, the bitterness of traditional whole wheat is minimized, allowing you to deliver high fiber, whole grain nutrition to the table deliciously. For more information, visit baystatemilling.com or call 800-553-5687. Hello, everyone. On this podcast episode on sprouted grains, I have Rob Wong here, the president of AgriNeo. And what do you do at AgriNeo? Yeah, so we're a food safety company. So Mm -hmm. we invent and uh, roll out products to protect grains like uh, sprouted chia, sprouted flax from pathogens like salmonella and E. coli so that, mm-hmm. you know, not only do you obviously have all the nutritional benefit, but you have the food safety kind of built in. So we invent technologies to protect foods like that. Mm-hmm. Great. So why this niche? Yeah, it's one of the foods that we focus on. So mm-hmm. we work with unsprouted seeds and grains. We work with nuts. Uh, We're also going to be moving into protecting wheat flour, which is obviously a big deal given some of the recalls that have happened with General Mills and Robin Hood flour, which was milled by Ardent Mills. So, you know, food safety in general is uh, obviously an expectation, right, amongst consumers, but Mm -hmm. how to implement that at the processor and manufacturer level can be quite tricky at times to maintain the nutrition and the integrity of the food whilst still getting the underlying basically uh, kill or pathogen kill is, is the way you know the industry talks about it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so I would like our listeners to understand where you come from mm-hmm. and the solutions, why you offer the solutions that you do. Mm-hmm. Is there a story behind this? Yeah, absolutely. So our company started in 2009. Mm -hmm. So the idea, we have a very bold and ambitious mission, which is trying to help safely feed the world, Mm -hmm. but we do it in a very practical manner. So we invent, as I mentioned, food safety solutions. So we're working with, you know, all sorts of food companies to integrate our solutions into their manufacturing environment to protect 
the ingredients that they're using for whether it's a topping for a baked good, right? So we've we've seen obviously in industrial bakeries they validate the ovens to get the necessary kills so that right. you don't have issues on the flour. But what about the toppings? Right. Or uh, whether they're seeds or nuts, or just if you're uh, selling them in cereals or trail mixes or just individually, you know, eating seeds and grains. There's there's obviously lots of uh, different uses for that. So that's that's what we do. And then the product that is most relevant for this discussion that we have is called Neo Pure. Mm-hmm. So it's a organic solution that's applied directly onto sprouted grains, for example, mm-hmm. to destroy the bacteria and fungus that can be harmful, but then it biodegrades completely. So there's nothing yeah. left on, so which is quite important. What's making me really excited about this product mm-hmm. is when I was working with a sprouted grain product at the mm-hmm. bakery, mm-hmm. Um, there would usually be one instance per week mm-hmm. of a batch of sprouted grains going bad. Right. And we're not talking about slight bad. We're talking sure. about heavily, uh, you know, damage uh-huh. with a bad aroma, spru- sure. sprouted grain. That right. you, when you make it into bread, you think that's a kill step there? It doesn't kill the aroma. <laughs> For sure. You know, For so sure. the, the damage has been done. Mold or coliform. We don't, or things like yeah. That, the, 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 the problem is at the bakery, the industrial bakery, baker's level, mm-hmm. we have no idea. We are not microbiologists. Sure. How are we supposed to know what's growing in right. there? How are we supposed to know that we are supposed to, gra- uh, to sprout a certain way? Sure. So when I saw your solution, I was very intrigued because this would pretty much stop all incidences of throwaways at the sprouted level. Yeah, you know, there's certainly so, uh, some savings there as well. There's a huge savings, actually. For sure. And For sure. um, which part of the process do you apply? Mm-hmm. Um, what would you call it? Pure? Neopure. Neopure. Yeah, Neopure is the solution. It's done in our system. So we also manufacture the system so that it easily integrates into, you know, whether it's a bakery. What or does a system look like? So the system consists of two uh, pieces of equipment. There's mm-hmm. a applicator. So your okay. chia or flax or pumpkin seed would travel through the application system and Neopure would be applied uniformly via atomization, which is just a fancy term for very small. Well, it needs to be because it needs to be not concentrated. It needs to be finely enrobing the the grain. So that's step one. And then from there, Neopure breaks down, as I mentioned, the bacteria and fungus. It's also broad spectrum, which is important. So when you said you had product that would go bad on a weekly basis, you really need a solution that not only is really effective against the pathogens like salmonella and E. coli, but you also need something that can reduce yeast and mold and yes, coliforms and total bacteria, which is what Neopure does. Amazing. After doing so, it biodegrades completely into water, and we then have the second part of the system, which is a dryer, essentially. So we're removing really? the surface moisture so that the seed is at the same water activity and moisture content as when it starts. We don't want additional moisture because that may create issues later on. Oh, absolutely. So what is the um, time and temperature during this application and the holding time, if that's any? Yeah, so we're not relying on the heat to achieve the necessary 
bacteria and fungal control, okay. which is very is important nice because heat-based systems like steam pasteurizers, right. for example, they don't work very well with seeds and grains and nuts because they tend to be very high oil, high fat. That's true. So I always use the analogy, what happens when you put, you know, a stick of butter or oil in a frying pan? You're changing the underlying integrity of the food. Mm -hmm. So since we're not relying on heat, you maintain all of the nutrition and mm -hmm. shelf life and also the ability to sprout. That's Obviously, true. if you're sprouting a seed and grain, yeah, you, you need the it. germination. <laughs> right. Exactly. So we maintain all of that. So... Um, yeah, so that's the, the process. process would be five yeah. minutes, ten minutes, or uh, about two to three minutes. Oh, to wow, yeah, really? so it's very fast. And for seeds and grains, our system uh, is very compact, about a thousand square feet, and you can do at least six metric tons an hour. So it's that's all high, really high. Good. Yeah, so at least you know, um, just shy of fourteen thousand pounds an hour. It's a lot of product in a compact space. So that was also done on purpose. Is you know. Obviously, space is money, and we wanted to be very efficient in terms of the way we design the system. So, okay. And to address your earlier question, this would you have flexibility with Neopure. You can do this either prior to sprouting, so on the unsprouted seed, or right. you could do it after sprouting. So, yeah. depending on. Well, you, the problem is it's that the bacteria cultures multiply during the sprouting process, and it comes. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. You know, with the sprouts for or, sure yeah i mean that's for sure that's the only reason why they go bad is during that mm -hmm. 24 to 36 36 hours holding water it's like the most yeah. favorable for microbial growth you got it you know? exactly so what's that's favorable for sprouting is favorable for microbial for growth. sure which is why <laughs> our so we have several customers that are sprouters that mm -hmm. have our system so for example everspring farms live better sprouting innovation they both are two examples that have the NeoPure food safety system, and that's very important to them because they are selling to, you know, big consumer packaged good companies for ingredients. They're selling uh, to grocer retailers, right? Mm -hmm. So to have that level of safety but maintain that quality and integrity is quite important, right, for right. them to, as just a business. Food safety is just, it's table stakes almost. But if you can right. do that and have the quality built in, that's something that differentiates them. That's the awesome. Okay, so I'm a food scientist myself, yeah. and I wouldn't have thought this up. Like, I wouldn't. What made you think up of this process and how to do this? We wanted to um, basically move away from the existing strategies of intervention or kill step, which is, again, primarily, you know, heat, mm -hmm. or I'd say, you know, pretty... Uh, heavy and potentially toxic gases. So, right. uh, so are you a microbiologist? I'm not. Guess? I'm not. So there's three founders of the company. I'm one of them. One of the three founders is a microbiologist, awesome. uh, food safety scientist. And that's mm -hmm. also part of what we think is important for our yes. customers is, you know, a lot of the times what if you're using a steam pasteurizer or PPO or ETO, you're dealing with just equipment company. Right, they don't understand all the nuances of food, which is That's very true. important. So we wanted to, and you know, part of your question on kind of our, our the history of the company and what we're trying to do is, we think in order to be successful and help our customers succeed, we needed more than just equipment 
designers and engineers on staff. We have actually most of the staff are food safety scientists, microbiologists, because we need to understand, you know, how does the bacteria get on the food and then therefore design our solution appropriately to control that bacteria, but not change. Again, I keep using the word integrity. It's very important to us because it encompasses the ability to yeah. sprout, the yeah. nutrition, the right. shelf life, the organoleptic yeah. properties. Sometimes solution providers, they forget that piece that exactly that product still needs to be integrity is for sure original yeah you know form and function they forget exactly that. exactly so we wanted to have all that expertise in-house so that you know for our customers they can rely on us whenever they have questions like hey how do I optimize this to you know ensure that the color doesn't change or I have a new food item can you help me do the validation so we also do that with mm-hmm. third parties uh, process authorities but we validate every new food that goes through the system. So mm-hmm. whether it's a seed or a grain or a nut, that's what we're doing. So That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, if our listeners have more questions on your particular system, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, the best way would be, so our website has really good information. Mm-hmm. So it's um, agri, so A-G-R-I hyphen, uh, neo, neo.com. Okay. Um, and they can find lots of information on the company and Neo Pure Solution and see, you know, uh, which companies have integrated and adapted and brought the system in house. Um, and obviously, a lot of information on the actual system and solution as well. Well, that's great. Thank you, Rob. I hope you own this little niche because I think you've got a really good, innovative, and new product that the baking industry has not seen yet. Great. Thank you so good much. Good luck. For your time. Cheers. All right. Hey, have you ever bitten into a slice of multi grain bread and found a kernel that's uncooked? Ouch, that's awful. Or, You've tried to soak or sprout your grain, but it's too tedious to put a sanitation SOP in place? Well, our next sponsor, Parados, has a solution to eliminate that. Parados Soft Grain Amber Grain is a pre-soaked blend of grains and seeds, enrobed with sourdough, brown sugar, and molasses. Yum! This ready-to-use solution has been soaked in natural fermentation flavors to give your customers the great-tasting bread they demand while ensuring the highest quality. Discover more about soft grain, amber grain, clean label at Pirados, that's P-U-R-A-T-O-S dot U-S backslash clean label, or call 856-428-4300. Hi, listeners. Today we have Debbie Rogers. Hi, Debbie. Hi, everybody. Debbie, could you let our listeners know what you do here at AIB? Certainly. I'm director of baking services, which means that I usually describe myself as the science teacher, function of ingredients, anything to do with science and baking, that combination. But then I also manage the teams of baking professionals that we have. Mm-hmm. That's so cool because I know you teach the resident course here, right? You teach cereal science for the resident course? Yes, for the resident course and then also many of the seminars that come in, whether they're one or two days or whether they're a week long, I teach, again, primarily function of ingredients for those seminars. Now, um, what background do you have? I have a um, bachelor's degree in bakery science from Mm K-State. 
got an MBA and figured out I really wasn't into business, and so I came back and <laughs> well, like that you, that's a purpose today. Though, it, right? it does, and I'm glad I have it. Although at the time I wasn't so sure, uh-huh. and like you, then I have a PhD in serial chemistry. That's great. So do you do some research in that? Currently, I don't do any research. I help sometimes when there's research projects and they've got questions. I certainly work with them, and I also teach a class online through K-State. So you have that K-State affiliation. Yes, and I still am on several committees of graduate students down at K-State, both in grain science and food science. So I can keep try to keep up with the research that's going on that way. That's great. Well, the reason why I have you on today is because I want to understand a little bit more about sprouting because I know you're a cereal scientist and sprouting has got lots to do with cereal yes, science. It does. Um, it's a complicated process that a lot of bakers have questions on. Um, it's not exactly you know when you sprout at a bakery and with. The bakery equipment available at hand in most bakeries not exactly the right kind of sprouting equipment. So we do have a lot of issues with the sprouting process at the bakery level. Um, before we start, I want to understand a little bit more about the sprouting process and um, what defines a sprout. <laughs> What we're trying to do in the sprouting process is take that dry seed that is, from the plant's viewpoint, is just being stored until it can grow into that next generation plant. So in the sprouting process, we're trying to start that germination, start that growing, but not let it get too far. Mm -hmm. So it is a little bit tricky. There's no real set definition. Mm -hmm. The AACC International has defined the whole grain sprouting process to be where the sprout is less than the size of the kernel, the length of the kernel. So we're just starting that process. Um, If you go too far, then you actually start getting some plant material, and that's not the not really what we're looking for as far as the bakers are concerned. So we've got to trick the seed into thinking it's starting to growing, and that's what's being done at the bakery. So when you trick when you trick the seed to think that, what happens in the seed? Okay, so we've got to get time and temperature, like most things with biology. Mm-hmm. Um, we get that right, and then the enzymes will become activated and will go to work and start making all kinds of changes in that seed mm-hmm. to process it in so that it can start to grow, and then the germ or the embryo does begin to put out shoots that the plant thinks are going to be giving it nutrition from the soil and eventually from the sun, but we don't let it get that far. Okay. So we're really just turning on the enzymes is the main thing that we're doing. So which particular enzyme are we turning on? Anything that it causes to change from that seed to plant. Now, when we're talking malting, and malting and sprouting are virtually the same thing. I was going to ask yeah. you. There's yeah. different What's the difference between use, malting and really sprouting? really isn't. Mal- malting, the main purpose is we're trying to only get the alpha amylase, a specific type of uh, starch-degrading enzyme. Right. Turn that on. So that's the predominant. But we also have a lot of protease that'll be working on degrading some of the proteins. There's Mm -hmm. other types of amylases that are also working on the starch system. Mm -hmm. We also have, very importantly, some enzymes that are working on cell wall materials, Mm -hmm. so cellulases and xylanases. Um, And this is what frees up some of that nutrition that we hear about, improving, increasing some of the vitamins and minerals, bioavailability, probably because we are breaking down those cell wall material and actually releasing some of the components, Mm -hmm. as well as there are some 
Um, vitamin C, for example, the data seems to show that we do get some vitamin C in sprouted grains, but there so is none in the, the dry seed. So the seed itself is producing some of these biological entities it needs in that uh, transformation into the next generation. Mm -hmm. So what you're telling me is, yes, there is an enzymatic production of these different uh, enzymes, but you can't control exactly the quantity and quality of the yeah, enzyme. Yeah, and that's where the art comes in, <laughs> trying to be consistent with your right. time and temperatures and how much water, so what's the moisture, um, controlling those things. And that's why if you go, you know, talk to five bakers, you probably have six different ways of doing the sprouting mm -hmm. as far as how long they're soaking, how long they germinate, what temperature they're using, how often they rinse or soak or what they're doing, um, because that's the art part of it, mm -hmm. and part of it's going to change. The variability will also, because of the seeds are changing. You get different varieties of grain, wheat, or whatever it is you're sprouting, even other seeds. Um, different years, environmental is gonna make some difference on, on the seed itself. So there is mm -hmm. a lot of variation that's occurring simply because we're dealing with a biological product. Right. Um, one of the biggest issues we face as bakers is meeting capacity. You know, sometimes well, after something sprouts, you need to use it immediately. Even if, like, you wait for six hours, it, will, it can change. Make it in, it will yeah. change. Because that process, the, the, seed, the enzymes don't know they're supposed I to know, stop. I know, right. So, again, we can use some temperature <laughs> yeah, to what, what, help what with that. You, what would so you So you can retard it. Oh, so you know, put a cold. Roll it into the refrigerator. Refrigerator or into the freezer. Right. Um, if you're doing the mash or puree mm -hmm. process using the wet ground, mm -hmm. um, I know of bakers that are freezing that, and then we'll be using it pulling out of the freezer. So you could... Could do that. So That's going to change some things. Would you bakers to even think about that as an entire process by itself to just mash it and freeze it rather than well, being then you have the more variations in your process, mm, freezing time, and having freezer space capacity. So I'm just saying that it, it can be done. Mm -hmm. um, you can also just retard if you're trying to slow down. Things change, but that's not going to change temperature quickly. Those seeds are not a good temperature. <laughs> Uh, they're not like yeast. Heat, they don't have a lot of heat, capa heat capacity, so they're going to slowly cool down, yeah, slowly warm up. That's true. Um, so trying to control the temperature. Sanitation is the other big factor, of that's course, true. because as we're having um, the potential for the seed to be germinating, there's also all that mi microbes that could also be increasing and that we don't want. Yeah. Um, well, what's so the that's another best big practice thing. for that? Would it be to like clean the seeds first? Certainly you want to start with clean seeds. There are some people who use some kind of uh, rinses, bacterial phages or mm. something as a rinse beforehand. Yep. Yep. Um, that might help, but sanitation I think is going to be the, the really big key. So just making sure that um, the equipment's the clean, equi the hands clean, the utensils used are clean. The air in the, the environment air, That's are true. Clean. That's true. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So I, I'm going to give you another scenario. Okay. Of okay. Say a baker like forgets a batch, right? It sits somewhere. Mm -hmm. It starts growing like like a plant. Like yes. The, the 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 sprouts are longer than the seed itself. Yes. What would you do then? Well, um, probably the best thing would be not to use it because um, you're going to have. Um, excess enzyme activity there so your starch will be very degraded and those enzymes will then continue to be active the protease and amylase in particular will continue mm -hmm. to be active during your process of whatever it is you're baking so what about so, adding more gluten wouldn't that 
that can help. You're just giving it more substrate to work on. <laughs> so it might help with the amylase, but if you have protease in there, now you're just giving it more good food. Yeah, you're not giving uh, it. So it's, you know, it, you can play with that. Yeah, but um, your suggestion but just it is just throw it away. But it's, it's a gamble. Right, And right. it's like how big a risk taker you are and what, it may depend on what the product is that you're making. If you're making bread versus a, a flatbread versus if you're trying making a biscuit or a cracker, mm -hmm. you know, there are going to be some different uh, control points. And so you may be able to get away with it in one product or process and not in another. That's true. Yeah, that, that's really difficult. Um, some bakers, when they um, sprout their own grains, um, even though if they buy sprouted flour from someone mm -hmm. else, they will need to use a lot of gluten. Why is that? And I would guess there you're getting, again, you're breaking down the proteins as you are. You think it's are, the protease? That's probably part of it, at least a major, a major part. And it may be a, just a different variety of, of grain. You know that wheat makes such a difference on what the functionality is, so that can also make a difference. Okay. Or what, what wheat they're starting with as compared to what you purchase. Is there anything other than proteins to look at, like emulsifiers or starches, or modified starches to help with the rheology of the structure of a sprouted bread? I can't give a quick answer to that, a yes or no, or a definitive or suggestion, but um, probably controlling your processing. Um, if you have excess germination, um, then my first thought would be to decrease any of your or all of your fermentation times, mm -hmm. um, trying to minimize the time that you have there in the process. Mm -hmm. um, certainly you can try adding vital wheat gluten if you want or blending with some non-sprouted flours. Um, I'm not sure what I would recommend. I can't think of anything off the top of my head as far as emulsifiers or any type of other type of additives and certainly you're not probably wanting to add other enzymes no. um, maybe some of the strengthening enzymes oh, might okay. be an idea. option to yeah. try but yeah. again I haven't I haven't done it so I don't know if it'd work or not okay what, what example what would be a strengthening enzyme um, some of the glucose oxidase for example or hexose oxidases those are often considered to be a pretty good strengthener and you would have substrate in the sprouted grains. That's true. So yeah. those might be a good help. Um, if a baker decides to change from a mash product to a flour product, mm -hmm. what is the real difference between sprouted mash and sprouted dry? Drying, you have to be careful of the process of drying because you're not wanting to inactivate everything that's there. You certainly don't want to denature the protein. So it's a that's generally a, low, a lower temperature drying, much like you would use in the malting. Okay. And that's why many of the commercial um, sprouted flowers that we're seeing are coming out of malts, malting companies oh, because really? they're used to dealing with that technology and wow. they're just changing the format a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, changing the focus so they've got a good idea on how to dry it and not do too much degradation of the product um, but certainly you're going to have you know absorption differences 
But anyway, it would be interesting to do an experiment as a scientist yeah. to take a mash and then use that same, take part of it as a mash and use it fresh and go ahead and dry part of it and use that. I don't, you know, I'm not sure. You'd obviously have to do some absorption changes and probably have some mixed time variations that would be considerably different. But I, I would think a drier product <coughs> produced more consistent you know that's the general yeah like a, trend, like a sprouted flour would, yeah. would produce a more consistent product than a, a sprouted mash that would be my okay. prediction also yeah, yeah. Um, it's a little easier to do logistically um, but at the same time you know the reason why I say that's because there is a uh, um, it's a, a group of bakers out there who are artistically inclined to the sprouting process. Yes. The sprouting process is yes. everything. Yes, that is correct. You know, so. And so, and the way that the, whoever you're purchasing it from, whether it's a large company or a small company, whoever you're purchasing your flour from, the way their methods of sprouting may be different, their method of drying may be different than mm -hmm. what you would be using. So yeah. it'll take some adjustment. You yeah. know, each one is going to be different. They're using different starting materials. Um, different types of wheats, whether they're spring or winter, red or white, you're still dealing with whole grain. That's the mm -hmm. other thing you need to keep in mind. The sprouted is still whole grain, so you have the bran colors and, and flavors. It becomes a little bit sweeter, as so the it red is wheat is brown. not as bitter, um, but you still will have that color variation depending on the starting material. Now, um, in terms of nutritional research mm -hmm. lately, um, do you have any updates on sprouting? If sprouting is sprouted bread is nutritiously better? Or more advantages than non-sprouted bread? The big advantages that I've seen are in the vitamin and mineral availability. Mm -hmm. um, again, the, as you're breaking down that cell wall material with using both the xylanases and cellulases, you're decreasing phytic acid and you are increasing the availability because they're really capturing some of, you know, holding on to those minerals. So as you break down the cell wall material, those minerals become more bioavailable. Mm -hmm. um, and again, there are some whether it's significant, you know, the vitamin C is a good example. You're, you're getting some ascorbic acid that you don't have in the dry wheat, but is that a significant contribution to your diet? Probably not. <laughs> it's not going to hurt, so it's like but it may still not be. up in be. the air on whether yeah. it's like significantly yeah. good for you or not. It's certainly right. not harmful, yeah. as long as you that's keep true. it safe. Okay. Um, that's also a uh, uh, same thoughts. There are same thoughts on uh, sprouted bread being able to tolerate a longer shelf life. What is your take? What's your take on that? Um, I don't have any data on that. Um, I would say it's probably much like the sourdough type. You've you've got some other things going on, some other enzymes, so mm -hmm. that perhaps it is. You're changing the starch structure a little bit as you're degrading it, so perhaps you don't have as much retrogradation or as rapid retrogradation. Um, I do know that if you over-germinate, one of the things that we often see is collapse yeah. of product, which you often get if you have too much breakdown of your starch. Is that so because of the amylase or protease? I, probably both, oh, um, but we're not getting, okay. if you're breaking down the starches, they're not going to give you, especially the amylose that you need to set that structure as it cools. If you're breaking those down into smaller pieces, you start getting keyholing, um, that type of effect, just I've seen that simply from the yep. starch, or the starch breakdown. That's true. So, Do you have any other tips for a sprouted baker? think you have to remain flexible is, is the big thing because again it, it's more of an art yet yeah it um, is. 
Yeah, we're trying. But it's to, lots of fun. You know, we're trying to put you know, and baked in science is a podcast series, and we're yes. trying to put as much science, science as we in can it. in there. Yes. Um, you know, so these podcasts are really short, and it's probably not helping some certain bakers if they have more questions yeah. you know do you guys do this kind of research do you do any kind of sprouted help uh, consultation help or yes to all the above we okay. can do some research projects here at AIB we can design research we can um, visit with you and do help you do some troubleshooting if you need to do that ahead of time we can send bake a baker in a trained baker into your facility to help you work so with on you site, there on-site training on-site, on-site consulting um, we do a wide have a wide variety of services so the website is always available aibonline.org and we'll be glad to work with anybody awesome thank you debbie all right thank you Lynn. there you have it listeners if you have any sprouted questions debbie at aib is going to see if, gonna to see if she can get you answers all right talk to you later here's the last word from our sponsor bay state milling there's sprouted whole wheat and then there's benegrain Benegrain sprouted wheat flour delivers superior whole wheat flavor and nutrition. They call it better for you. That's available for you. For more information, visit baystatemilling.com or call 800-553-5687. One more thing before we end. Please like, comment, and subscribe to Baked in Science. Till the next episode, bakers. I'm sprouting for your success.